Hello, everybody, and welcome back once again to the Bear Necessities podcast. We're glad to have you back with us this week, and we have a large range of topics. Luckily, the media is finally allowed at Bears training camp, so we're going to actually have a ton of relevant news this week, and actually no creative topics on that regard. It's all going to be news reporting. So the first topic we're going to be going over is just some training camp updates, uh, some updates on the quarterback tryout, Cordell Patterson. Artie Burns uh, reportedly uh, having a knee injury, and then also Jimmy Graham and Dion Bush getting into a fight there. Then we're going to go ahead and get into the bulk of the show, which will consist on an update at the defensive tackle position. Dion Bush starting at safety right now over Trishon Gibson. The quarterback competition between Nick Foles and Mitchell Trubisky, and who's winning that currently? And then following that, we're going to give an offensive update on how the offense is coming along in training camp. But before we get in the show, we have a quick couple of updates. As always, please subscribe to us on YouTube. That link will be in our description. But also, we actually have a new schedule update uh, for the next couple weeks until the start of the Chicago Bears season. We are actually going to be moving to a once-a-week schedule on Wednesdays. And in that time that we would be uh, doing our other podcasts, we're going to be working on some new plans and administrative things for the podcast going into the season. Obviously, one thing that we're working on is live streaming and looking into how we can do that and try to do more collaborative things with you guys so don't worry this is only going to be a short break and then once the season begins we will be going back to our original schedule for you guys so thank you guys so much for listening to the bare necessities podcast once again and enjoy the rest of the show hello everybody and welcome back to the bare necessities podcast we're finally at episode number 40 which means Geez, about probably like 40 to 50 hours worth of content that we've uploaded on this podcast alone, not including everything that we've uploaded to YouTube and everything in regards to that and all the editing and everything like that. Reese, how are you doing? Pretty good. Yeah, I mean, quite the uh, quite the milestone. I mean, it wasn't too long ago we were talking about episode 30 and I mean, here we are and I don't know, it won't be too long before we get to 100. Honestly, when you think about it at this rate, it'll probably be... I don't know, maybe somewhere towards the end of the season or next off season. I'm not quite sure. And that's good. That'd be pretty crazy to see, considering that we are one of the longer podcasts on the platform. It seems like we average between 50 minutes to an hour. Uh, you know, sometimes we're a little bit lower than that, but for the most part, 50 minutes to an hour seems to be our average. And uh, you know, some podcasts will hit episode 100 really quickly because their segments will be 15 minutes long or 30 minutes long or whatever that may be, but. I feel like those tend to just be content that's better uploaded on YouTube and it's not really uh, in-depth or really the discussion that I guess we're looking for. I mean, Reese, when we talk about football, let alone not recording, it seems like our conversations probably end up being about an hour, maybe hour and a half. Yeah, I mean, uh, we have a pretty good back and forth on things and I think it's because we, you know, we tend to agree on a decent amount of things, but we don't always agree or see eye to eye. You know, I think, you know, even to when we're off, you know, not recording, we're talking about the bears, whether it's through texting or on the phone, you know, you know, we kind of see things in a different way. So it's always good to kind of get like that little bit of uh, shared opinion. I think it allows us to get deeper into some subjects than other people would go. Yeah, too much. Just like, I don't know. I see like a lot of, of the amateur podcasts. 
a lot of them just really only agree with each other and try to build off of each other. And, you know, we do agree on a good amount of things. And I feel like a lot of Bears fans do or Bears supporters agree on certain staples. But there is definitely a big section of topics that we disagree on. And that's really, I feel like, where the, you know, actual in-depth conversation occurs is when you actually do disagree on a topic. So it's unfortunate to see so many people having to feel like they... You know, they need to agree with each other or they need to, uh, I don't know, maybe make themselves seem a certain different way. But maybe, I don't know, Reese, it's probably because we've known each other for so long. I mean, Reese and I have known each other for what, probably going on eight years now since, uh, so way before this podcast even existed. Yeah, I mean, damn, you know, in high school, which is such a long time ago now, I mean, at least knowing who I am now and freshman you know, year. Exactly. Where we've uh where we got to know each other, you know, in a biology class, which was just <laughs> just awful. But uh Yeah, pretty yeah. boring. <laughs> but yeah, it's just um we're happy to be here. We're we we're happy to see the growth that we have. I mean, we still continue to grow. It's looking like we're gonna probably end up hitting our two hundred subscriber goal by the end of this month on YouTube. And that's going to absolutely blow away um, the actual, like anything that we planned. I think we were looking for like 130 this month, even like um, even just a couple of weeks ago, we were saying, yeah, if we get, you know, 130, maybe even 150, that'd be a huge milestone, but it looks like we're going to hit that 200 mark, maybe even blow it away. Um, depending just on how we're posting and if we continue to do it consistently. So, I mean, we, and we've only really been consistently uploading for a couple months now. Like we really have just recently gotten into the more consistent habit of doing it and really prioritizing this podcast over everything else in our lives. And uh, it's just amazing to see the growth that we've seen so far. And I'm excited to see 50, 100, you know, 200, 300, 400. I'm excited to see that. And hopefully this bear season brings us a lot more growth as well. Yeah, no, 100%. And definitely hoping that, you know, we can get and play some football, which it looks like everything's on schedule right now. You know, we were just talking about, I said, oh, a couple of days ago, I think the 15th would have been the Bears' first preseason game against the Browns. So it's unfortunate that we had to miss that and, you know, everything that comes along with preseason football, especially this year for the Bears, which would be the uh, quarterback competition. We're missing out on that. But, I guess at least finally we've gotten to see some insight into training camp, which I know you and I have been talking about, you know, a decent amount. Yeah, thank God we have media training camp because, man, it's been getting a little bit uh, tiring having to talk about these hypotheticals that we always are proposing to try to keep this podcast entertaining for you guys. And it's nice to not have to be, you know, fully creative. So today it's pretty much just pure news and talking about everything that's come out over the past two days about Bears training camp. So first, let's go over just some of the basic news of the of the beginning of these past couple of days. And uh, there's some updates on the QB trial. You know, we talked about in the last episode, bringing in Kyle Slaughter and Mason Fine. Well, it turns out that Kevin Hogan uh, also joined the Chicago Bears um, for a trial this past week. You guys will probably remember him. He was the quarterback for the Browns for a season back before Baker Mayfield, and he didn't do actually all that horrible. Um, he actually performed fairly decently. Some people were actually believing that he could be a decent starter for them. Um, but there is still is no signing. So, Reese, any excitement uh, in regards to that? You know, nothing over the moon. You know, I, it's interesting to bring someone in with, you know, a little bit more NFL experience. Of course, you know, 
Slaughter had, you know, experience in the preseason. Um, you know, Fine, of course, Mason Fine, you know, coming right out of college, you know, hasn't had as much, but it's interesting bringing Hogan into the mix, like you said, you know, there on the Browns before Baker Mayfield came in. At the same time, you know, staying somewhat reserved on this one as well. I don't think that he's going to make a huge difference, but it'll be interesting kind of to have the own little quarterback competition that's going on outside of the main one. You know, we almost have a, a primary one between Trubisky and Foles over the starting position. And, you know, whether or not there's a third roster spot on this team or it's a practice squad spot or whatever it really is, but you kind of have the secondary quarterback battle going on now, each with different levels of experience. So it's kind of interesting to see how this will play out and, you know, what does this team value in the quarterback position? And you see, I'm all in on bringing on a younger quarterback than like Tyler Bray, someone that might have a little bit more, you know, promise or maybe not even the the same experience that he has, but just a little bit more, you know, of a higher ceiling. Maybe we could get something out of him in a in some sort of, you know, someone goes down type of role. Um, so Kevin Hogan and then also uh Kyle Slaughter are, are two players that I particularly look at. And I think that it would be great if we ended up signing one of those just to get rid of, um, geez, what's his name? Our, our third stream. I just said his name. Tyler Bray. Yeah, Tyler Bray. Geez. Uh, Tyler Bray, he's just a, a super unenthusiastic third string quarterback for the team. And hey, um, I just maybe it'll make it a little bit more interesting. Another quick little snippet: CJ Procise, I believe, is his name. I don't know really. Yeah. How, is that is that how you pronounce it? CJ Procise, correct. Yeah, yeah. CJ Procise, uh, ex running back for Notre Dame, and was with the Seahawks these past two seasons. Made the team both the time. Actually, he's trying out for the Chicago Bears as well. I don't know too much about Procise, but um, you know, I we talk extensively about maybe potentially adding another running back and the benefits that that could bring. But so, you know, I'm excited for that as well. Yeah, I think ProSlice is an interesting uh, person to bring in. You know, he got a decent amount of reps with uh, Seattle. I think maybe he got hit with an injury, but there there was a time where people were pretty excited about him, you know, within that franchise. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how exactly that plays out and, you know, how he gets accustomed to this team because he's someone, I think, even more so than Mike Davis, who is also from uh, Seattle. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Mike Davis is actually the backup to CJ Procise, at least for a, a certain stretch of the season, maybe in the 2018 season, is what I would say. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, um, I think he brings a skill set that, you know, is kind of similar to that of Artavius Pierce, who, you know, also you know, has been catching a lot of eyes in camp. So it'll be curious to see how this Cole uh, running back unit ends up, you know, forming. Yeah, absolutely. And a little bit more on the running back unit, Cordell Patterson. We talked about his transition to being in the running back room, but it looks like he is actually a full-time running back. He's doing all of his training camp reps are at running back. He's going through drills with running backs. Um, and I have to say in the video that I was watching, he, uh, he's doing the running back drills, but I don't know how much he looks like a running back to me. Yeah. I was kind of feeling the same way. I mean, honestly, I know when some of the drills, you know, I think we brought this up in the last podcast was just kind of the pad level. And, you know, we talked about how he runs is very similar to that of a wide receiver and it, it just looks that way. You know, I mean, he's going through those running back drills and, you know, he looks, you know, he looks okay doing them, but he doesn't really look like a running back when he's going through them. He looks like someone that's <laughs> kind of trying to act the part in a way, which I, I think is ultimately what's happening. I think that, you know, 
like I said previously, I, I think that he can be used well out of the backfield. But you know, very similar to Tariq Cohen, he kind of has to be used in a in a non traditional way. We really can't expect to run Cordell Patterson between the tackles all that often. Expect him to you know be all that successful or that durable in doing it. Yeah, one hundred percent. And uh, I think that's just. It is what it is at this point. Cordell Patterson, I guess he's a running back. He's really probably going to be in a similar role as last season, maybe slightly altered. But ultimately, I'm still excited to hear more out of Artavis Pierce. Unfortunately, we haven't been getting too much of that from him. Um, so it's it's really going to be interesting to see how this running back position kind of cements itself. Um, but for right now, it does look like Cordell Patterson is being considered a running back. Haven't heard anything else really about the other running backs, so... I guess that's about it. But Artie Burns, um, reportedly, he was taken out of practice today with a knee injury. Um, he was apparently in a lot of discomfort, and uh, it didn't look the best. So, um, And he was also getting first-team reps. So he flat-out won the job over Kevin Tolliver, who was essentially the, the veteran in the room. Or not the veteran, but the veteran with the Bears in the room. And it seems like he pretty much won the job outright from him. Uh, so he was in that at first string and unfortunately it looks like he was helped out of practice today with a knee injury we don't really know how that's going to develop but um, not too optimistic on that diagnosis yeah it's very unfortunate and you know with a knee you know you know hopefully on the positive side it's a strain or a small twist a minor twist you know of course on the very negative side you know it's a tear you know a meniscus and mcl and acl of course none of those really end that well um, a lot of rehab for basically all of those injuries. So I guess we can only hope that it's minor. I mean, you know, fortunately, looking at it from a broader Bears perspective, you know, the Bears have so much depth that cornerback position. We went over it when we uh, looked at who would be on the 53-man roster in the last podcast. You know, whether it be Tolliver, whether it be, uh, why am I blanking on names? We also have Johnson, Jalen Johnson, Johnson, we expect to be, you know, cornerback to um, Buster Scrine. I mean, there's just so many people in that room that can play that position well. So the Bears are fortunate in that, right? But it's unfortunate to see Artie Burns go down without, before he could really prove his worth uh, to the team. Yeah, and I hope that he does have a quick recovery with whatever it is, and I really do hope that it is not a tear of any sort. Um, but one quick note I want to say is that, guys, a lot of people are making a big deal about rookies not really starting, and like specifically with Jalen Johnson um, kind of not being the first string immediately out the gate. It's very common for NFL teams to not give rookies first team reps for the first little bit of camp and to instead respect the veterans about that. But the one thing that I have to say, on Artie Burns' side is that the fact that he came in and beat out Kevin Tolliver, who was with the Bears originally, um, just right out the gate, it seems like that's that's really big for him. So um, Artie Burns may actually be, be progressing in his career a little bit, which we should be excited for. Yeah, and I think what Nagy brought up the point that, you know, he is a former first-round pick. Um, so, you know, he has a lot of talent, and it's just a matter of extracting that talent and getting it to fit well within your system. And, you know, no better opportunity than with this Bears defense, was defense which is shaping up to, to look very good for this upcoming season, at least on paper. You know, it's a, what we see in game time will, you know, of course, is yet to be determined. But even over the past couple of years, I mean, the Bears have quite, uh, set quite a high bar for themselves, so I don't expect that to dip. And I think that he would have fit very well on this defense. So, you know, hopefully he has a chance to play at least in some point this season. If not, then, you know, it'll just have to be a, a matter that's addressed, you know, some point later on in the future. 
Yeah, absolutely. And um, one last little snippet before we get into the more detailed topics. Jimmy Graham and Deion Bush, uh, the two Miami Hurricanes, got into a fight in in uh, camp today. Apparently, Deion Bush tackled Jimmy Graham, which is uh, it was a non contact or not non contact, but a no tackle, uh, you know, training camp, and that's pretty typical when you're actually running through the drills. You don't tackle people unless you really have to. Um, so Deion Bush ended up getting to a fight with Jimmy Graham and it kind of turned into a brawl between the bears. No, no real worries in this regard. It's pretty common in training camps for some fights to break out. A lot of people just trying to prove their worth, trying to, uh, really do their best. And, you know, it's, it's bound to kind of happen when you have such uh fire on both sides of the ball. Yeah. I think for, you know, you and I, it was almost kind of refreshing to see that, you know, the bears were kind of playing with that kind of intensity you know, I made a quick joke about Martellus Bennett, you know, because he <laughs> he caused so many fights while he was uh, here as as a bear during training camps. Him but, and Kyle Fuller was a big one. I remember that yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, not that anything like this was, you know, fully on. But it seemed like, you know, a lot of the, the news that we were hearing out of camp was that the tight ends, you know, both Graham and Komet were doing, you know, very well in today's drills. And, you know, as you know, someone on the defense you know, you don't really like to hear that. I mean, you know, when you're playing against your own team during training camp, it's still quite competitive, you know, between the offense and defense. So things get fired up. And, you know, I'm sure Dion Bushel probably was getting a little tired of, you know, Jimmy Graham, you know, making a lot of catches, making a lot of plays on the defense and, you know, kind of just had enough of it and boiled over and decided to just, you know, give him a decent little hit and knock him to the ground. And, you know, I, I don't think the fight, uh, you know, I don't think it's going to be something that's going to be out of control i think you know the bears are very you know this current squad they're very good in the locker room they're very respectful to each other but it's good in a way to see that kind of competition that kind of intensity you know being shown and during these drills yeah absolutely and two guys who are both so far i mean we're two days in so guys i think it's important to remember the perspective of where we're at right now we're two days into training camp we're not in the regular season we're not even in the bulk of training camp we're two days into training camp we really uh, don't know how exactly things are progressing yet. We're just trying to make as the best conclusions that we can with the information we have so far. But so far, Jimmy Graham and Dion Bush are are reportedly having themselves a pretty good camp. So you know, two players who are really you know leading the charge, and two players who have a lot to prove this season. Um, it, it doesn't surprise me that it ended up between those two guys. Um, even though you know both of them are are good guys, both of them you 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 talk to them, you hear them talk, you. Uh, you hear how they interact with the media and you can tell that they're good guys. They're not, you know, dismissive in any way, shape or form. Um, so it's, uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's good. It, both of them also have like extremely clean records when it comes to like fighting or stuff like that in the NFL, like no, no issues there. Um, so, but it doesn't surprise me that it was these two players just solely because they both have so much to prove. Um, so let's go ahead and move on to the bulk of the show. First things first, some big development from the uh, defensive tackle position. Bilal Nichols is currently replacing Eddie Goldman over John Jenkins. And this is actually something, Reese, you and I predicted. Uh, We talked about how Bilal Nichols in college, he actually did play defensive tackle for a little bit um, in the 3-4 scheme. Um, Even though he was playing uh, defensive end here at the Chicago Bears, he has played defensive tackle, 3-4 defensive tackle, that is, uh, in college. And we, I've been hearing some uh, pretty good things uh, about what's going on there, and he it seems like he's adjusting pretty well there. Uh, but I'm going to be honest, I would still like us to go out and sign a name for that position. 
Yeah, I think best case scenario, maybe it's a little too optimistic, was, you know, what we said multiple times before. We talked about bringing in Snacks Harris, um, or Snacks Harrison, and, you know, a couple other players we went through. You know, I, I think there's options out there on the market that they could go out there and get. You know, I think Bilal Nichols, you know, as a fill-in is not an awful, uh, not an awful person they have to, to lean on. And I think that he can prove prove that he's, you know, able to, to do it. You know, I think he was asked about taking over the position and said, I, I think I can do it or something like along those lines. It was like, I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. And it's like, oh, I mean, okay, at least he's kind of confident, you know, and not, he's not uh, being overly optimistic about it, but you know, he's someone on the defense, like you said, playing defensive end has been good in a, in a backup, uh, more kind of fill in capacity. And, you know, he has the size to play that, you know, nose tackle position, um, you know, it's just a matter of kind of training and switching your mentality and your mindset a bit. You know, as a defensive end and a, de- and a nose tackle in the 3-4 defense, your roles, of course, you still need to have that gap integrity, but your roles are different. You know, it's uh, you don't expect too much pass rush out of a 3-4 defensive tackle. You know, most of the times they're usually big run stoppers that don't really have much opportunity to get into the backfield, but you hope they can kind of just clog things up in the middle, hopefully take on, you know, if they can get two offensive linemen on them, that's a huge success right there. So I believe in Bilal Nichols. I, I'm I'm with you that, um, that you know, he can, the Bears could go out there and do better in the, in the market and get a pick up a free agent. But it doesn't really look like that's going to happen. I think the Bears would have already made a move if that was going to be the case and at least try to get them in as early as possible in training camp. Yeah, so I'm a big fan of Bilal Nichols. I don't want that to you know be swept under the rug. I'm a huge supporter of Bilal Nichols. I hope we give him a second contract when he needs one. Um, but the thing about Bilal Nichols is I always viewed him as more of a finesse guy than like a power rusher. And I think you want more of a power rusher at that nose tackle position i mean you look at eddie goldman he's someone who is famous for his ability to just bull rush the center into the quarterback he's a very strong powerful player he's not as much a huge technique guy um but and Bilal nichols is more of that now you can still play that three four nose tackle position as more of a technique player and i've we've been hearing things about Bilal nichols potentially putting on some more weight and strength in the locker room. Um, and that's all positives as well. And he's always been a good run defender. But, I mean, the guy that I would imagine taking over that position would probably be, you know, a bigger guy, someone who's re- – and Bilal Nichols big, but he he's not as strong as Eddie Goldman. and Just like a stronger guy, really just known for just bull rushing and, you know, really creating separation for the defensive ends you know, on the other sides. But ultimately, I think Bilal Nichols was uh, not a bad option to switch over to defensive tackle. I'd rather have him there than John Jenkins, who just came off the COVID reserve list. Um, so that's that's about all we can say probably uh, for there. Okay, so moving on, some other uh, positional news. Deion Bush is now the starting safety for the time being. Now, I talked about earlier in the podcast how this is likely going to end up changing. They tend to give more respect to uh, players who are currently with the team. So that's probably why Trashawn Gibson hasn't been getting all the snaps there at that position. However, you saw Artie Burns immediately won over that job from Kevin Tolliver. Um, Obviously, though, Deion Bush is a draft pick. Tolliver was just an undrafted free agent. So there's, you know, there's a little bit, little bit of that there. But reportedly, Deion Bush has actually been looking really, really good in training camp. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Because, of course, you know, if, if Bush can continue to keep up the high level of play and impress the Bears coaches and the coaching staff, you know, then he has a serious shot at it. Of course, I think that, you know, you and I both agree that I think Tashawn Gibson is the better option, better fit, at least for that strong safety role. At the same time, though, if, you know, Deion Bush is kind of willing to adapt his play style, which he always really has been, you know, he can almost play either one of those safety positions. He has a very much, you know, jack of all trades kind of mentality, you know, kind of a little bit carries the master of none as well, though. I mean, there's nothing about him that really kind of stands out. But, you know, I've been a fan of Deion Bush. But at the same time, I think that, you know, Tashawn Gibson should be given a fair ride. And I think it's something that is going to be, uh, it's a good battle to watch during training camp and, and kind of in a position you don't really often get to see too many position battles at. You know, I think like usually the the safety positions are usually kind of pretty regimented. You kind of know what you're getting out of them beforehand. But of course, you know, the Bears have been an interesting position, you know, moving on from HaHa ha Clinton Dix. I, I think when Tashawn Gibson was signed, a lot of people thought that he was imi- immediately going to be put in. But as you know, you and I have talked about, you know, Deion Bush has been with this team for quite a while now, you know, you know, for this defense, he's actually one of the players that's been on there the longest, you know, having played under John Fox. So it's, um, it'll be, you know, a good battle to watch over the course of this camp. And I'm kind of hoping that Gibson is the one that wins it in the end, but you know, I wouldn't be disappointed if we see, you know, a lot of Bush in this upcoming season. I am too, just because Gibson, it seems like he has a much higher ceiling than Deion Bush could potentially have. Um, I know that he was injured this previous year. Maybe it has, you know, something to do with that, that they're just trying to um, maybe, you know, give him more time to rehab. Oh, that's not good. We'll keep this in. Uh, Just coming in right now, Artie Burns tore his ACL. Oh, damn, yeah. Well, I guess that uh, confirms our worst fears. So, I mean, I guess Man, we're not going to get to see him at all this year. That that sucks. I feel really bad for him because he's someone, you know, coming from a team where he had a lot of expectations, uh, looked like he was getting some things to go his way, and then ultimately just ends up tearing his ACL. That is very unfortunate for Artie Burns. I really feel for him just outside of the football perspective. I, I can't imagine what he's going through right now and how frustrated he probably is. Um, I don't know if he's really experienced all that many injuries in the past. I, I honestly don't know. Um, but I, I would hope that the Bears would, you know, keep him on the roster and really try to find a way maybe to bring him in next year in the backup role or whatever that may be. But that is uh, that is a hit for the Bears. I mean, he was going to be probably our primary backup. Yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, for him, you know, as a player, I don't think any of us can really, you know, of course, like injuries can uh, – you know, hamper us in our everyday life, but you know, this is basically something that would take you out of your job, your work, um, which is just kind of awful to think about. And, uh, it really does suck for him. Like you said, I mean, this was kind of like his next shot, um, to make it work with the bears. So I do hope in a way that the bears do keep him on the roster or at least find him, uh, or find a way to keep him on in some kind of, um, some kind of role so that he can, have another crack at it next off season. You know, it's a, it's a long recovery for, you know, ACL, I guess, you know, to be optimistic about it at this time next year, if the recovery process goes well, the surgery goes well, he could be, you know, back in camp, um, you know, come, come next year, which I guess would be probably the best, best, uh, best case scenario. 
And unfortunately, I do believe that he is only currently on a one-year contract with us. Yeah, he's only on a one-year contract. So, um, you know, that could, like, unfortunately be the end of his Bears career. I'm hoping that it's not, but unfortunately be. But, yeah, so let's let's go ahead and get back to the main big Dion Bush right now at starting safety. Um, man, it's, it's hard to go on with this podcast now after getting that depressing news. I just feel bad for the guy. But Dion Bush, um, I'm writing things well for him. And, um... But ultimately, I'm with you, Reese. I, I, I do hope we get to see Treshawn Gibson. I hope that he's able to end up beating out Deion Bush because I think he offers us just so much feeling. You know, he was on the NFL top 100 list uh, multiple times, I believe. And, you know, he's he played well in Jacksonville, really, really well in Jacksonville. Um, he was with that really good um, team in 20, 2017, 2016, 2017 a real good defense that the bears ended up being the, the following year um but um yeah no i'm 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 happy for Dion bush but uh i would like to see some change at that position yeah i just uh i don't know i guess it's it's interesting in in that case and i can see where you know with Dion bush having so much experience with the team where he's kind of given the first crack at it but you know to sean gibson someone that like you said has really kind of proved it over you know the duration of his NFL career that he is honestly a top tier um, strong safety so I guess it's interesting that it's coming down you know to as much of a battle as it is because I, I guess I felt like it would be a little bit you know more of a cakewalk for him and he wouldn't be as pressed and kind of winning that position but you know I think ultimately I think the the best safety the best uh, player at the position will will end up winning the job I'm sure that you know the Bears are going to be pretty logical with it and uh, either way, it's going to be a very strong secondary heading into the start of the season. And whoever doesn't win it, I'm sure we'll have some sort of role or see them in like some sort of, you know, not primary stat, snap, uh, not taking primary snaps, but have some sort of role in this defense. Um, so we'll see both players, but I hope that Trishon Gibson can be that guy because I think that he, him and Eddie Jackson could be a really dangerous duo. Um, so let's go ahead and move on. We actually have some quarterback competition updates. And it's funny because, you know, in the beginning of the show, Reese, we were just, before we even started recording, we ta- started talking about how, you know, it sucks as a Bears fan that we're just robbed of this QB competition. Right now, you said uh, preseason should be beginning and it's not beginning because of COVID and we don't really get to see all this information on the quarterbacks and we kind of have to go through the lens of major media. And there's recording rules and everything like that, so we can't even really see it for ourselves until probably the first day of the NFL season. So, uh, Risa, it, it's it sucks that that happened, but at the end of the day, we're still getting some sort of news, which I'm happy about. I'm happy that the media is at practice. So here's here's the first couple of updates. Fools during the first day he was reportedly a little bit better than Trubisky but it was pretty close to a wash Trubisky had one throw that uh, he quote-unquote would have liked to back uh, where Deion Bush almost picked him off but he didn't get picked um, but apparently today the second day of media training camp uh, Trubisky really flashed Cordell Patterson supposedly said that he looks like a whole new QB and that he can feel the fire in him and um, just really raved about how Trubisky has been a much better leader this year, a lot more vocal, and that he's really taking over the team um, and not just kind of sitting in the passenger seat anymore. Um, but 
so so far, Foles and Trubisky are both currently at no interceptions. Um, which even though Trubisky almost gave up one, he's still at you know zero interceptions. And it seems like to me, Trubisky is probably the current leader. And one last thing I want to note is that last year it seemed like at this point Trubisky probably had you know two days into camp probably had like three or four interceptions. So it's positive note that we're seeing those go down. Yeah, it's good to hear that, you know, there's been flashes from Trubisky and, you know, that his teammates feel like he's improving, you know. I feel like in some sort of way, you know, that his teammates are never going to come out and be like, oh, yeah, he really looks like shit this year, you know. You're right. I don't think they'll ever say that. You know, at the same time, though, you don't need to just throw away those comments. Obviously, Cordell Patterson didn't need to come out and say that. Um, with that being said, you know, Maybe, yeah, like you said, Foles wins day one and Trubisky wins day two, you know. Maybe with Trubisky looking a little better, it seems like he's ahead. But it's going to be, I think this is going to go very much, you know, deep into camp. I don't think that uh, the Bears are going to really rush this decision. Um, As far as losing preseason, you know, I mean, that's the best part about a quarterback battle is watching it play out in preseason. You really hope that the quarterback battle can be settled in preseason. You don't really want it to drag on into the regular season. That can be when you really get a lot of issues, which, you know, we'll see if that ends up happening with the Bears. But, you know, their only option is to, to make it work in camp and run drills against themselves and compare, you know, where they're at physically and mentally. And it doesn't surprise me that it's close. I think that everyone kind of anticipated it was going to be, you know, be that way. You know, Trubisky's been the starter for the past three seasons. So he has his right to the offense. You know, a lot of the players on the offense are acclimated to him. They're used to, you know, catching balls from him. And then Foles, on the other hand, you know, he's a new guy coming in, but, you know, he's working on earning the respect and the comfort with other players. But he also brings in, you know, a vast amount of football knowledge and, you know, maybe even some more comfort within the system that, you know, Trubisky has struggled with in the past. One thing that I got, you know, really excited to hear in Matt Nagy's press conference was he talked a lot about how he views that Mitch developed a lot mentally and he's very happy where with where Mitch is at mentally and it seems very different than last year and you know it seems like a lot of people try to point a lot of people in the national media at least try to point to Mitch's physical flaws as the reason for why he hasn't performed well or this type of mechanic that type of mechanic and we know that he started adjusting those as well this previous offseason but as far as like what we were concerned with Reese it was completely the mental side of the game like we were very very concerned with how Mitchell Trubisky is mentally and we said one of our I would say one of our most famous quotes on this podcast we're waiting for Mitchell Trubisky to wake up and learn how to play the game of football. Like, and that that is, that is what bears fans have been waiting for, for a very long time, waiting for everything to just click. That's what Ryan pace has waited for these past couple of years. And we talked about maybe the foolishness behind that, but also like what could happen if he did wake up and learn how to play football, (laughs) you know, wake up and all of a sudden learn how to diagnose defenses, how to make the checks at the line, understand the system through and through. And we, we talked about how that could be a very high quality product. So, you know, maybe unrightfully so, and maybe I'm kind of going back on my word at the beginning of the off season, and maybe I'm just a hopeless Bears fan, but I'm getting a little bit excited for Mitchell Trubisky, I have to say. A little bit of a hopeless Bears fan, but it's okay. I mean, you, <laughs> you have that right. And uh, I, 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 yes, with the, uh, 
with the mental side of Trubisky's game is 100% his biggest issue. Uh, you know, his mechanics, you know, there's really no quarterback out there that has perfect mechanics. It, it seems like as a young quarterback, you're always trying to prove that your mechanics are there. But as soon as you're in the league for a few seasons, which Mitch should already be at this point, um, I guess it just comes with him not proving quite that he can be a starter. But, you know, no one's really picking, you know, let's say like Ben Roethlisberger's mechanics and really nitpicking them and all that. I'm sure, you know, you can go into any quarterback's Philip game. Rivers. It's easy. Yeah. That's one of the easiest comparisons. Or Stafford. I mean, Stafford has his sidearm throwing. Mm-hmm. No one's really still faulting him for that just because he's been in the league for so long. And, and he's proved that he can do it. I mean, Stafford Hell, is a Deshaun good. Sean Watson. It's not like he's like a flawless quarterback in his, um, like in, in, in his mechanics. Yeah, or even Josh Allen, you know, I mean, you know, you can kind of just keep the list going on and on. So I think, you know, the physical knock, I think any quarterback can can do it with non-perfect or even far from perfect mechanics. So it has very much been the mental game. And I think even it's been the mental part of it that when he's really gotten in his own head and really struggled mentally that has broken down his mechanics even further. I mean, we talked about that last year. you know, he didn't have an awful start to the season, but when things started going, you know, poorly after he came back from injury, kind of midway through the season, that's when he started doing things weird mechanically. He was just rushing his throw. Um, he was acting like he was under pressure before he was even under pressure. And he was seeing of, ghosts, as yeah, I like to say. Throwing off the back of his foot, throwing, you know, not really properly within his drop, not dropping back well you know, rolling out before he needed to. And we kind of just started seeing some very odd Hell, throws even from, from shotgun, it, it was like his mechanics were falling off towards the end of the year. Yeah, it, but I think that was all ended up being a product of just where he was at mentally. It was just a, a very bad place for him last year. You know, he was in, in his own sunken place, I guess, guess you could say. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting. It's the biggest hurdle that he needs to conquer, 100%, is that mental side of the game. And, you know, if he's improved that, if he's worked on that, then he can be a much improved player. And and then maybe he can focus on his mechanics even more like he has been doing, like you said. I mean, it's all about refining your game, but he needs to to really shape up and hopefully it looks like he's making steps in the right direction. And, you know, I think that the whole mechanic side of the game is... At times, the the mechanics and physical aspect of the game can be a little bit overdrawn and a little bit overlooked. Uh, Or not overlooked, a little bit, you know, hyped up more than it needs to be. I think that the mental side of the game is something that fans consistently, you know, they they forget to really look at. And, you know, I believe one of the main reasons that is because you can't really see it on the field all that often. It can be a little bit more difficult. You can just see, you know, a good quarterback that makes a good throw and you're like, oh, he's got good accuracy or, or whatever like that. It's hard to see in a game. Right. And so many fans view most of their opinions based on games. They don't really, you know, go in and look at the film. So I can understand why this kind of comes about. But at the end of the day, if you look at some of the quarterbacks that are considered the best in the NFL, right? You look at Tom Brady, was not a good physical quarterback, was not a good mechanical quarterback, was not a good athlete. But what he did have was the mental side of the game. He's a, he, he's very he perseveres very well. He um, he's able to go through a system very well, and because of that, he's became one of the most successful. Probably, actually, you know, the most successful quarterback yeah, of all time. Right. There, there is no debate. There is no debate on that. I mean, what does he have? Like 17, 17 uh, NFC or 17 divisional 
no 17 nfc titles or something like that? i don't know well he played in the uh, afc man, so okay just, yeah yeah i don't even know afc excuse about. me jesus <laughs> i don't really think about the afc that much if i'm being completely honest i feel like the nfc is where it's at um but but um no the having a, just ridiculous amounts of success in the nfl and then you look at you know guys like drew Brees, another guy who was kind of you know not really looked at because of his physical stature and different aspects to his game but really good mentally russell wilson a, another quarterback uh, very good mentally uh was overlooked because of his physical i mean you can go on and on and on philip rivers ben Ro- ben roethlisberger um, I mean, I mean, we hell, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. A lot of people don't know this. Aaron Rodgers, when he came out of college, his mechanics were so heavily flawed. If he just started immediately, he would have not been the quarterback he is today. It was really only under Brett Favre where he was able to kind of rework his mechanics completely, have a completely new throwing motion, and it allowed his mental side of his game to really, you know, go beyond that. Yeah, I was going to say, even this past year's MVP, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson. I oh, mean, yeah. He, he is far from perfect mechanics. Of course, you know, some of his game is saved from his athletic ability. But, you know, also Trubisky has that running ability, which just hasn't even been fully utilized, I think, in this Bears offense. And I think part of it's his own fault, too. It seems like he doesn't know how to, when he should, you know, quite scramble and when not to. But some of his biggest plays and clutch time moments have been you know, scrambles to get like a first down, you know, and set up a potential field goal. I think that happened, what, against the Lions when we watched yes. Barth? Uh, I was just yeah. thinking about that. Yeah. Watch Back in, what was that, that field goal. 2017? 2017, yeah. John yeah. Fox, I remember. Third and like third and 13, the pocket collapsed, no one was open, and Mitch scrambles, gets the first down, and Barth misses like a 30-yard <laughs> kick. Yeah. God, and I called it before the game too. <laughs> Yeah, oh, we knew it was going to happen 100%. And that was that was the start to the whole era of, you know, who's going to be the Bears' kicker. I mean, actually, I mean, that started with getting rid of Gould. But, man, I mean, it's just, uh, there's you know, getting back on topic here, you know, you don't have to be a quarterback with perfect mechanics to be an elite quarterback in this league. And uh, Trubisky needs to conquer that mental aspect of the game if he really wants to ever ascend to anything close to that status. Yeah, and... I think that is the most lost thing about Mitchell Trubisky. And if he somehow did wake up, as we've said, and learned how to play quarterback, he's going to be a good quarterback. I don't know if that happened right now. It's all coach say. It's all, you know, hearsay. We don't we don't know. We really don't know until the season begins. Because, hey, even if he's doing well mentally in training camp, you know, it doesn't mean that he's going to be anything near the same in the actual game. I mean, how many players come out as training camp stars and then do nothing in the regular season? Plenty. Yeah. Oh, definitely. hundred percent. I mean, we see it all the time, um, you know, in usual seasons where we have preseason, you know, we always have those players that love to show up during preseason, you know, player you know, fans will even get hyped about him. We talked about Ryan Null. I mean, someone that's really just, he's either a practice squad or special teams player. Um, fans love him, you know. I I understand the appeal of someone like Ryan Null, but at the same time, you have to really. I, it. I don't. <laughs> I, I don't. It's just a the name, f- maybe the wrecking no. Null. That's about I the mean, only he's thing. He's a bigger, a bigger physical back. You know, the Bears haven't really had something quite like that in a while. You know, but at the same time, I, I don't think that he's really worth a roster spot anymore. He may be on some past Bears team, sure, <laughs> but uh, I, I think that you know we see it a lot of times and. 
you know, well, it's unfortunate for them. And I think sometimes there's players that show up in training camp and preseason that, you know, play their hearts out and do really well. And, you know, teams don't think it's going to quite translate to the regular season and end up getting cut or end up never seeing play time. It's unfortunate, but at the same time, it is kind of, you know, when you're playing against, you know, the second team, even when it's against your own team, if you know, when you're playing against some other Bears backups, you know, it's easier to look better than what you would playing against, you know, some other team's first team. And, you know, as we said, remember that, remember to keep all this information in context. But what I have to say is that as a Bears fan, it's good news to hear the coach and the players echoing a sentiment and then also seeing the media say the same sentiment it's good news from now because hey if it if people were saying Trubisky's throwing you know three interceptions a day that would be you know completely detrimental news so on what on the spectrum of what news could be this is definitely very good news for the time being and it's looking like right now Trubisky is winning over the media and the players currently um, so, I mean, I really think that's all can, that can be said about this topic. Uh, one last topic is just an update on the overall offense. The defense has been pretty steady. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about the offense. This is the, this is the, uh, the, uh, the weight that has been keeping the bears down for these past, this past seasons, particularly, but also in 2018, a little bit, we had tons of stalling. Um, so let's go through some of the updates that we've seen in the first couple of days of training camp. So Apparently, there's been tons of energy at House Hall right now. Offense has been up-tempo and playing with fire. So that that's really positive news right off the bat because, Reese, we talked extensively throughout the offseason about how the Chicago Bears need to incorporate some sort of tempo and rhythm in their offense because it seemed like they had none last year. Um, and then as far as the running game goes, no updates. Uh, it doesn't look like it's been highly emphasized in camp yet, which, you know, I, I don't know really what to think of that yet. But uh, supposedly we're still waiting for some more wow moments on offense. Um, but today, the second day, tight end and wide receiver play has supposedly been off the charts and with the tight ends looking particularly dominant. So all pretty good news off the bat. Reese, uh, any initial initial thoughts on this? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, as far as the tempo is concerned, it's definitely something you need to see more in this offense. I think it's something that has helped Trubisky, especially in the past in this offense, you know, kind of in those two-minute drill situations or whenever they've been up against it and they need to run no huddle, it seems like things have just kind of worked better, clicked better on the fly. Maybe it's reducing the the play calls a little bit or, you know, just kind of simplifying the offense, which, you know, I think there's something to be said for that. I think we've addressed, you know, whether it be the red zone or, or other situational play where sometimes it seems like Nagy gets too cute and maybe it's kind of the up-tempo play that, you know, allows them to just kind of simplify and play, you know, kind of a more um, fundamental football game. But it kind of has worked better for this Bears offense in the past. So seeing a little bit more of that intensity, some more of that urgency. I think people like to see offenses with urgency and I think it tends to work out better I'm not saying you need to throw time of possession out the window. I mean, of course, it's something that the Bears were actually quite awful with last season. But, you know, if it's something that's going to get the Bears a couple extra first downs, it's going to be a lot better than the three and outs that they were putting up, you know, <laughs> you know, just last season. So I, I definitely am, am here for that. And I'm also here for the better tight end play. I mean, us Bears fans have been starved of good tight end play for what? I don't know, since, since Greg Olson left. 
or, or yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, honestly, maybe that's a little uh, unfair to call it back to Greg Olson. Zach Miller was good. Martellus Bennett yeah, he was, was good. Was pretty good. Um, you know, at the same time, you know, Bears haven't seen probably elite tight end level since you know Greg Olson played yep. here, and I think that it's something that is so important under Nagy's offense. It's quite bad that the play of it was so bad last year in 2018 Burton did all right um, until he ended up dealing with some injury issues uh, I think that you know that along with the wire series have kind of quickly become the strength of this offense with the question marks being you know the offensive line and hopefully getting the run game to, to work up a little bit but it doesn't surprise me that a lot of the passing weapons are looking good so hopefully, uh, you know, the Bears can continue to get the ball in their hands because that's going to be something that's going to be very important over the course of the season. Yeah, and I mean, tempo is very key in, especially like West Coast offenses, having some sort of consistency, having some sort of, you know, consistent yards and plays that you feel comfortable with and you can run and execute like the back of your hand. That's huge. You know, that's that's huge. And that's something that I don't think we've had the past couple of years. The fact that we're seeing this in, uh, training camp is great news. It seemed like it took, as I said before, it took the entire period um, until we, well, we essentially would get so many delay of game calls these past two years. <laughs> like it, It's ridiculous on that yeah. regard. Um, but just having plays that the offense feels comfortable with. We are going into the third year at Matt Nagy, which is a benefit to us. And, you know, I'm happy to see, I mean, speci- specifically the tight end play and wide receiver play increase. Tight ends looking particularly dominant. You know, Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet looking good. That's huge for us because um, that, that's really going to help this offense out if we can get some sort of consistency there. Um, I, I, I am interested to see more out of the running game. Um, you know, it, it might be a little bit skewed right now because not very many teams have the defensive lines that the Chicago Bears have. Uh, not many people have Robert Quinn, Akeem Hicks, and Khalil Mack on the same defensive line. But right now, Robert Quinn isn't in there, and hey, Eddie Goldman isn't in there either. So um, I guess there's a little bit of on both sides of that. Um, so ultimately, want to see more from the run game, but all positive news on the offense. I'm excited to see this offense finally hit the field. It's gonna it's gonna be good, and I mean, uh, hopefully, we get to hear a little bit more about you know what the run game is looking like over the course of camp, and you know, like you said, some more of those wild plays. It'd be good to see the defense get beat a couple of times. I'm not really overly concerned about the defense, even if they look shaky in camp. I think that they can put things together. Um, they're a pretty proven group of guys, so I, you know, if the if it's at the expense of the defense looking you know good that the offense starts to show up a little bit i'm here for that and you know because that's honestly like you said the biggest worry is the offense it's been the weight that's been holding this team down and if they can sure some of these things up then they'll be a very formidable football team yeah absolutely and i also want to hear a little bit more on the offensive line i haven't really heard much about jermaine effetti I uh, haven't really heard much about Artavis Pierce and some of the other guys. Hell, I haven't even really heard about who's filling in for Robert Quinn right now. I think that's a question that we ought to be asking ourselves, too. Um, you know, obviously, the Bears show to the media what they, uh, you know, what they don't want to show other teams. So it's going to be it might be a little bit more difficult to actually see any sort of, you know, true, you know, revealing plays or true revealing you know information on this team until we actually get to the regular season where it's all on the line um, but ultimately looking at uh, Detroit week one it's coming up in a couple of weeks I think uh, probably about a month from yesterday or something like that not very close very close 
yeah, that's definitely very exciting, and yeah, it's getting close, and I think with there being a lack of preseason games, it's kind of going to sneak up on us, but it's going to be here very soon, and uh, you know, I think the Bears are kind of fortunate to have Detroit as a week one draw. Um, you know, I'm even if things don't it. go, yeah, if things don't go perfect, they still have a chance of winning that game. Allows them to to figure things out a bit. You know, at the same time, they can't take it casual. They can't take it, you know, um, too easily. Because if they do, then they'll get popped by Detroit. You can't really sleep on any NFL team. You know, there's still enough talent. There's still enough capability there. So. It'll be interesting to see how the Bears shape up. I'm sure they're focusing, you know, for the season for the long run and, you know, but hopefully they don't get too far ahead of themselves. And, you know, I view this week one game and I just looked it up. It's 9-13. So, you know, what is that, like 25 days or so? So it's it's coming up really quick. We're really mm-hmm. almost at the season. Hopefully nothing happens um, <laughs> before that time. Hopefully the NFL doesn't get canceled. I'm really kind of worried about that. Uh, with how things are going in the United States with this coronavirus, guys, come on, wear a mask uh, so we can have some football, please. Um, but this is a confidence-building game, you know. I know the Lions made some changes, and we talked about it probably being about a net uh, a, a net even uh, throughout the year. Obviously, they get some more people back from injury, but Mitchell Trubisky has performed extraordinarily well against the Lions every single time he's played them since he uh, since Nagy took over. He, the Lions run a primarily man defense, which Mitch Trubisky absolutely is able to kill. Um, for those of you who watch a lot of Mitchell Trubisky film, you'll notice that he struggles a lot, a lot more against zone defenses than man defenses. So um, ultimately, I view the the Bears as a far superior team than the Lions and. You know, if we don't really uh, make some make some noise in this game, I'm going to be very worried about the Chicago Bears in the near future. Yeah, I think a win is a win and, you know, but you can definitely have some worries about, you know, what happens. So hopefully, you know, first step is they go out there and can win the football game uh, no matter how it happens. But if they could uh, show some some promise on offense or on both sides of the ball, really. Uh, show some some good promise. You know, I don't expect them to be a perfect football team, especially with how this offseason has been. I'm sure there's going to be a fair share of mistakes. But if they can look pretty well polished, then uh, it will be pretty promising, you know, moving on to their to their future games. And that's going to go ahead and wrap up the show, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. Uh, we've been experiencing some major growth, uh, you know, as always. I mean, I, see, I feel like we say that all the time, but we, we are experiencing some major growth, and we appreciate you guys so much for that. Uh, none of this is possible without you guys, and, you know, we're finally excited to have a season coming up uh, that we can report on the Chicago Bears for you guys and do all different kinds of live streams, YouTube videos, everything for you guys. Uh, and really connect with you guys as well. So thank you guys so much, and uh, bear down. Bear down.